0: This is Joshua Haddon with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, my business partner, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen, and we are actually live. Well, when you hear this, it's it's not live. We're always live when we record (laughs) it. (laughs) But we are in Kentucky. Together. The big KY, yeah, together. What do you think of that? Uh, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason and I are in Kentucky because. <sighs> do we tell everybody? Do we tell the listeners straight out the gate why we're here? Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you do that? They are our friends. They are our friends. Um, we had
1: an interesting situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Situation. We okay.
1: were here in April. We did a couple of cast selections, and we. Where? Where did we... Well, sele- I'm, get, I'm getting... Shh, 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 <laughs> settle down. Okay, settle down. Right, yeah. We did a couple of cast selections. Okay. And we recorded a lot of footage for an episode, a very early episode... Yes. Of One Nation Under Whiskey.
0: Episode five, actually.
1: With Eddie Russell at Wild Turkey. Distillery. <laughs> 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 Thank you for clarifying that point. And... Um, as sometimes happens in the whiskey business There was a slight hiccup And one of our two casks Yes Was sold on Didn't make it to us And we are now back December 1 Selecting a replacement cask Yeah um, Also with Eddie Russell mm-hmm. We recorded a bit of footage in the warehouse again And we had the honour of sitting down for 30 or so minutes with Eddie in the station master's house. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, Just on the edge of the wild turkey complex. Yeah. And uh, had a great old conversation with him. So it was a, a great day with him. He was very generous with his time, mm-hmm. as always. Very generous always. with his stories. And it's always a pleasure being in his company. Um, I'm very taken by the chap.
0: Yeah, he... You had mentioned this... In in our previous episode with him, that Eddie Russell is a true Kentucky gentleman.
1: Yeah, yeah, very right? proud of his distillery, very proud of his dad and his dad's work. That would be the yeah. legendary
0: Jimmy Russell, oh, of course, and of his son too, of and Bruce, his son Bruce. You know, just he, when you walk around with Eddie and and you hear him talk about the whiskey that's being made, and. You know, hear him talk about his now 36 years at Wild Turkey. Yep. I mean, this is his life, and this is, this was and continues to be his dad's life, and now his son's life. And yep. the pride is just oozing
1: out of him. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, dis- and despite a very busy travel schedule, he made time in his calendar this afternoon to host yeah. us. And uh, even though we joked a few times that he could have been anywhere else this Friday afternoon, (laughs) he was with us answering our questions, uh, uh, using his valanche to pour us many a sample of wild turkey. And uh, I think we
0: made a good selection. I think we did. We we went around and we tasted about somewhere between 13 and 14 different casks of whiskey with Eddie. Mm And they were from various warehouses. We had casks from warehouse D, B, H, and K. K. And, uh, you know, like we had said again in that previous episode, here's a distillery that has a single bourbon mash bill Yeah. and a single uh, specification on on their barrels where they, I had previously reported that they were a number three char and it's, It's actually a number four char, so it's the same char for each and every barrel, the same mash bill for each and every barrel, but all 13 of these whiskeys were were very unique.
1: Remarkably different from one another, even in terms of color. Uh, the one that we selected. Oh man, very dark, <laughs> uh, very appealing to the eye. Yes, and thankfully delivers on the nose, palate, and finish, mm-hmm. which uh, is important to us, and a mouth texture that uh, was very filling and coating and mm-hmm. delicious. So excited to get this one off to the bottling hall at Yesap yeah. and uh, get it in a bottle for Single Cast Nation members.
0: I might mention, too, that it's not just a texture on the palate. You talk about this quite a bit. There's a texture on the nose. Yeah. You almost, you're getting hints of what's about to happen when you take a sip of it.
1: Yeah, I love that texture on the nose. It's a hard thing to describe to somebody. You sound like a bit of a loony uh, when you're, and I don't mean Canadian currency. Uh, Is that what they call the currency? The loony, The loony. It's one of their really? parts of their currency. Yeah. I thought they were just dollars. Oh, Joshua. We need to get mm. you north of the border, my friend.
0: It's just America Jr., right? Uh, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so much more than that. So
1: much more, Joshua.
0: But in part. So what you're saying is in part they're America Jr. So much more. But... <laughs> <laughs> we'll take you there one day. We'll, oh, we'll okay.
1: introduce you to some just day, some okay. <laughs> and you will learn that they have so much more to offer. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, you what, say so. What were we saying before you awkwardly derailed the entire conversation? Oh yes. Um, when you try to describe the nose feel to people, yes, you sound like a bit of a mad mad person, right? Um, but it's it's definitely there. There's a sense of texture yeah as you sniff in the liquid, uh, one of the challenges we had today was actually a particularly Scottish challenge, I thought <laughs> yes, which was the liquid coming from inside the cask was very chilly, very, very, very yeah. chilly. and so we were we were spooning it and cupping it, mm-hmm. ballooning it yes, uh, anything to to increase I held that it against my chest temperature we but I, I put it in my pocket.
0: All right, is that what you're calling it these days? <laughs> it's
1: a power move. Uh, and um, and then the old trick that Jim McEwen taught me back in the day um, yeah. was as I poured it into my mouth, I held it in my tongue for a count of four seconds and tried to bring it up to, to body temp.
0: Oh, interesting. And,
1: and try and expand some of the te- textures. Um And really get that mouth feel and mouth coat. Do you notice a difference? I I don't do that technique, so. Definitely a little bit of a difference, yeah. You don't have to warm it in your hands quite as long. Uh, You can go to the mouth a little faster. Okay. Just tell me how I do it, Joshua.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, for our single malt listeners, um, you know, the, the best way that I can compare That sort of nose texture is if you've ever had a klein leash in your in your glass and Mm. you get that waxy texture even on the nose. Uh you know, and definitely part of it. Right? It's so uh so for single malt listeners, it's probably the best sort of comparison that I could uh, that I could offer to you. Yeah. Just as you're mentioning some single malt listeners, we don't
1: actually have any Wild turkey in our glasses as we're recording no. today's episode. We have something a little different in our glass, and it all comes courtesy of you and a yes. connection that you've
0: made. Yes. So, so this episode is going to go live on Wednesday, <gasps> December sixth. Oh, I know what that means, right? So uh, that is uh, Randy Rhodes' birthday yeah. from from Ozzy Osbourne fame.
1: It's exactly six nights before the first night of Hanukkah. It it is
0: exactly six nights before the first night of Hanukkah. That's what I said. 20 nights before uh, the first day after Christmas. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But so I have a friend who bought a very special bottle and... Did you ever say what December 6th actually is? Oh, I didn't, did I? <laughs> okay, so December 6th. It's a 6th, long day of tasting. It is. It's been a long day. Three and a half hours of tasting whiskey with Eddie and talking with Eddie. Good, 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 good day. Uh, so uh, so getting back to what December 6th is, that is my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, Jason.
2: I like to say this gig sucks. Hey, up your Springfield. One, two, three, four...
0: Turning the big 4 4. There you go. Uh,
1: it sounds so much better than 4 3. I'm not enjoying 43 at all. Are it you just, not? It just seems kind of lame. 42, liked a lot. And 44's got a little bit of symmetry to it that makes me comfortable. 43, not a big fan.
0: Yeah, but 43 is halfway to 86.
1: I don't think you and I like either of those numbers. We don't. We don't. No. That's, that's... <laughs> 43% alcohol, 86
0: proof. Mm, moving on. I definitely don't like 86 proof. <laughs> um, so uh, I have a friend who purchased a bottle, one of 100 bottles. That's remarkable. Right? Absolutely amazing. In number. the world yep. of the Tamdu 50-year-old. We're and, in
1: rarefied air now. Uh,
0: yes. I mean, really. How many billions of people are there? And there's 100 <laughs> bottles to go among them. And he opened it. And he opened it. And uh, he. I was sworn to secrecy, so I, I cannot give his name. But, sir, you know who you are. Um, well, if somebody spends that amount of money on a bottle, they probably want to remain anonymous. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good $20,000. That's a pretty handsome price. But this is a 50-year-old Tam Du... Uh, first fill sherry single cask, fifty five point six percent alcohol. 55. That's amazing. Five point six, right? What did they fill that cask? It's typical Tam so they're filling it seventy seventy one percent. Okay, yeah, checks yeah. out. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, so first fill sherry. Those are Karazawa numbers. They yeah. are Karazawa numbers. Huh? Yeah, you and I had the 1964. Was it 1964? He was a 48 year old Karazawa yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Like drinking pure fire. It
1: was. It really was very burny, very nippy all mm-hmm. the way down. This one does not present yeah. any of those fiery notes. The color on it is this beautiful, fantastic. sanguine yeah. copper.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that the legs on it, the oils, yep, just oil. beautiful in the glass.
1: Just as we're talking about nose texture, yeah, it delivers. Well, cheers to you, my friend Happy 44th birthday
0: Can we we clink? Does it come through on the There we go Uh, Thank you Yeah, I wanted to have a a special one And no better person to share it with (laughs) Cheers Not even the person that opened the bottle (laughs) Mm, Here we go, in for the sip Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: wow that has got a warm, treacle quality to it Oh, wow Oh, good, nice, big oak presence, as one would
0: expect. Right? But it's not, this is not like drinking a Popsicle stick. It's not, but it's pleasantly drying. It's pleasantly drying, but there's there's a vibrancy to it. Oh, oh man, that's nice. That is a celebratory dram. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> I live in a tree. <laughs> I, oh, you, what else do I do? You,
1: you could just lead with the happy birthday Mr. President as, Jason As president of Single Cast
0: oh, oh, okay Of <laughs> To me, the president Okay Thought <laughs> you are going to get
1: all maga on me I was not I was getting all Marilyn Monroe on you Which is a different very, Keep your clothes on That's a very Keep. different sounding yes. thing so. So, so moving on So, no, so yeah. Unfortunately nobody at home has this in their glass So we're not going to yeah. belabor the point no, I, no, I know no. what it's like when you belabor your Springbank tastings And I don't have any in my glass <laughs> I, I know how dispiriting that feels um, But it is a, a cheers to you And a yeah, celebration you. of your birthday and a And a cheers to the listenership as always
0: yeah. Go oh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. He said interrupting me. <laughs> but just how much
1: we appreciate them. Thank you listeners.
0: You're loved. So speaking of listeners, this is what I wanted to say. Yep. Okay. It's your turn now. Um, oh, is it my turn? Okay. <laughs> so what I wanted to say is um our listenership has gone up quite a lot. Mm. And so we want to thank, yeah. Uh I just want to thank people who are tuning in, who are sharing the good word, and um, one thing that that I'll ask, and we ask this on occasion, is if you wouldn't mind, please, 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 go to iTunes and and give us a rating, five star rating if you love us, four star rating if you really like us, and anything else, just send us some, <laughs> send us a message, send uh, us a fiery bag of poop, <laughs> uh, if the, it's anything else. But the more good reviews and star stars that we get in iTunes the more people will be able to find us. We end up going higher up in the rankings. Beautiful. So please go ahead and do that. Um, I just wanted to say that before, you know. Yeah. Well, we had people.
1: Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. And I I think we can dedicate the rest of our episode to Eddie and Wild Turkey and Selection and Warehouse Chat and then Formal Interview.
0: Jason, one of the things that I wanted to bring up you know, we, we spent a good amount of time in the warehouse with Eddie selecting casks. And like I said before, we went through about 13, 14 different casks. And we had some good conversations in there too. But, you know, we just got done with our day with Eddie. We yep. went out to dinner. Now we're back in the hotel room and we're recording this podcast. Yeah, And for the life of me, I can't remember everything that was discussed while we were while we were in the warehouse, but what I do remember is I was pretty pretty sure to talk about what we were tasting while we were tasting it. So, you know, given the fact that we had a good thirty thirty five minutes of interview with Eddie at the station house, yes, I want to go over. I want to bring in some of our notes of while we're tasting the, these casks. And what we're experiencing when we try, you know, this is the stuff from Warehouse B. This is the stuff from Warehouse K, et cetera. And and just bring that in. And I think it'll show people some of the flavors that we're getting. And and Eddie talks about it. This is one of the things I do remember is Eddie talks about what warehouses are giving him what flavors. Yeah. And so I'm going to bring in some of that uh, footage right here if you wouldn't mind. I'm ready
1: with a number of people kind of talking about the letters of the warehouses and how you talked about particular flavor profiles coming from particular
2: warehouses. I think they all have different yeah, flavor People profiles. just loved it. A lot of these K's I brought over here, here last, last bunch I brought, they had this red berries to them, Ooh. like raspberry, not even really just cherry. It was like a raspberry. Ooh, nice. And I, some of them, Bruce said they had that wild turkey funk. You know, Ooh, people okay. talk about the Wall turkey okay. funk, and I'm like, I'm not sure what that funk means, but... Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. color on that? These Ds have had really good
0: color to so, us. So, if you're getting raspberries from one warehouse and funk from another, what do you get out of D?
2: Uh, sort of a mellow, mellowness to them with that you know, sweet, caramel, vanilla. This whiskey's cold. That's yeah. the bad part about yeah. this year. Uh, I got the Kentucky guys. It's January 2nd through the whole first week. Oh I'm my God. i really? oh. And last year was the first year and I'll probably do it again this year if it's real cold. I'll come over here and get samples and take them over to the VC. Yeah. I mean, it's like sitting here doing this. I mean, until it warms up, you're not yeah. really getting the flavors out of it.
0: Getting a lot of that caramel coming through, mm. though.
1: So, given what you're saying right now about it being cold and not getting the flavors coming through, what do you think about people putting ice in bourbon?
2: Oh, mm. well, I like the ice. Okay. But mine don't last long enough that it's getting too cold. Okay. <laughs> you okay. Know.
1: So it's really just for the dilution purpose, rather
2: than well, the, it, the chilling it, it out. Chill it a little bit, but. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I do think as the ice melts a little bit, it sort of opens some things up because mm-hmm. Jimmy and Booker and them didn't ever believe in that. Okay, all, all right. right. Now, personally, I don't like dropping water into whiskey. You know, Booker drank his bourbon out of the barrel and we'd put a little water in yep. it, to just calm it down. And just, yep. the water's okay through the filtering process, but afterwards, I just don't like that at all. Huh. I mean, to me, it just sort of dilutes everything that Okay, I, okay. But you don't think the same thing about the ice as it's melting in there? Normally, no. Huh? Like I said, most of the time, you know, I always ask for an ice cube or two. You know, okay. I hate when they fill a glass up with ice yeah. and put that oh, much whiskey. Okay. Okay. in. Yeah. yeah. So whiskey slushy at that point.
1: Yeah. This is absolutely that nice right where everything it promises on the nose, it delivers mm-hmm. right on the palate.
0: Yeah. No, it's doing everything that you you want it to do. Nice spice there, coming mm, through with there the rye. Is some good spice, yeah.
2: yeah. Cracking mouthfeel. yeah. So there's two more of these D's here. If you want to try both of them.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to see what some of the other right. D's are doing. So what happens with the ones that? So I know you do a lot of picks, and obviously you're you're producing a shit ton of bourbon, but for the ones that don't get picked, do they end up getting? married into say your your 10 year old bourbon these barrels yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they okay. would
2: so what i do when i start this like this fall when we need to get it going because they start coming in in january and some will look for kentucky spirit we'll taste through barrels and we'll pick barrels for what we call our marketplace yeah so what just goes to anybody mm-hmm. so in the Russells i try to stay as consistent as i can kentucky spirit is I try to stay assistant. consistent consistent as I can and then I look for what I call oddball barrels. Mm-mm. I look for a few of those in here but really I'm looking for ones that are different. Yeah. So that's what I put in here. There's some barrels that'll sit around that will say rejected on them because we do reject them for the normal stuff oh. okay. but to me they're ones I want over here. Yeah, you know. Exactly. So I'll keep some of those sort of normal flavors because you have people that come and pick and they're looking for that wild turkey Brussels taste or that Kentucky know. Spirit taste right. or some even like a general one-on-one type taste, mm-hmm. you know So I bring some of those but when I run into some that have that super butterscotch or super fruity or And I'm even putting things over here. That's not my taste profile like very earthy and floral Yeah, because a lot of bartenders a lot of on-premise like that to make their drinks. Oh, work. yeah
0: that's good so thing.
2: I put those over here because this year shoe sure way i'd say it's probably 30 35 percent now they're on-premise people buying these private barrels all right one more d <laughs> yeah when you talk
1: about the funky ones that one that we just bottled for the jubilee with that big
2: mint note on it yep things like that those oh those g's that you got in that one uh-huh. yeah. i found them off the sixth floor yeah you yep, know yep, most yep. of this stuff is fourth or fifth floor but i found them off of course, you know, you hate to say you have a favorite warehouse, but G's always been one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and some of the picks that's come from G have got some really good write-ups and different things from the picks, but those were just so different that yeah. I brought. Yeah. And they went quick. They went really quick. I can imagine
1: that. It was, it was
2: cracking. I like this one.
0: Yeah, if you were to pick a favorite of the three D's, which would it be? It would be this. Okay. You've got yeah. the... The barley coming through. You got this nutty kind of quality coming out. A little bit of that floral that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. A little bit. A little bit from the back of the palate. The
2: nose on. It's fantastic. Yeah, the
0: nose is great. It's a solid, solid. Yeah. Solid, solid barrel. Wow. Yeah, like, this could be in the running. Yeah. It's it, it's a a barrel of note. Well,
1: I certainly think as yeah. far as letter grades are concerned. Yeah. You know, yeah. To pull
0: one favorite from each letter. Or yeah. That's that's a good one. <laughs>
1: Preparing to fast forward. Fast forward.
0: Fast forwarding, sir. No, no, no. Go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again.
2: I started standing all the ones up sailed Not only can they turn can they sign them? Uh uh-huh. yeah. Once they're stood up, it's like, <laughs> and I, if they don't sign them, there's a few people that don't sign them. I'll actually write who they go to. But gotcha. I guarantee yeah. you that would when they yeah. so yeah. had something written on it. Because I make a point of when I get a chance of going back and writing on the barrel somewhere yeah. who got it. Oh, you know? okay.
0: Yeah, we didn't write we on We didn't her. write either on it. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. so now we, we need to write on it. <laughs> yeah, we'll stand there. <laughs> what the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to them? We passed that. When? Just now. Wear it now, now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon.
1: It's an interesting face.
0: It's easily the most different (laughs) wild turkey we've tasted so far.
2: It's like these K's. Most of them are very different. (laughs) (laughs) We'll pick another down for
0: Have you tasted it yet? No. It's, it's, it's no. wild. The flavor's go so all dark. Super dark. Like everything's oh, really? been bright, fruity, nutty. Mm. Super dark. Some of that bubble gummy that, that Eddie was talking about. This one is dark. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do mm, like dark. Says the white-haired Scotsman.
1: <laughs> I do like dark. It's like a negative of Jason. <laughs> so after we had the pleasure of Eddie's company in the warehouse... And you and I were peppering them with some questions in there, yes, we were then uh, we, we didn't let me just say, not every answer made it onto wax <laughs> um, and we then we left the warehouse, we left where, warehouse A dating from eighteen ninety four and we moved across the complex over to the station master's house and we got set up very professionally. I mm-hmm. think one of the uh, masthead photographs for this episode will be you sitting next to Eddie in comfy chairs with uh, microphones in your hands. Yes. Uh, and that's the, the discussion that I want to lead into. Uh, one of the things we did a couple of episodes ago with the Garth Ennis interview was it was a very conversational style And instead of you and I interjecting, as is our want, Mm -hmm. we instead just let the conversation run. And I know that today, as we sat in the station master's uh, office, was it office? Station master's? House. house. Station master's
0: house. Lovely,
1: lovely little spot. Looked like it was the former visitor center at Wild
0: Turkey. It was the visitor center, but since we'd been coming to Wild Turkey... um, We've never been in it. We've never been in it. It's right, very Since, small yeah. in terms of yeah, very small.
1: The size of groups that they lead around wild turkey. Now oh my gosh! Oh yeah, it's a very small spot. That that
0: was one of the things. You know, I, I know we want to go into the interview with Eddie, which we will, which we will. But uh, as we're there tasting through casks with Eddie, you know these tour groups were coming in and. We five. were
1: photographed a few times. Yeah, we were photographed a few times. <laughs> uh,
0: but you know, five people come in, then another five, then another five, nice. then another five, and it was, you know, it's probably a group of thirty to forty people at yep.
1: a time. Yep, yep, it's remarkable the, the size of groups that they move around. And Eddie was commenting, it just doesn't stop. It doesn't stop the the, the yeah. tourism surrounding Wild Turkey and Bourbon and Massive. Bourbon County yeah. and all that malarkey, um, just doesn't stop. So. Um, So here we are, uh, sitting, conversational interview with Eddie Russell Mm -hmm. in the station master's house. Last time I was at Joshua's house, I tasted some of the cheesy gold foil wild turkey that he's been telling me all about. Um, You and I were talking off air that it's good, good stuff. What is it that makes it so good?
2: Well, I I think one of the main things is back in the... 80s, 70s, 80s, early 90s, all of us had excess whiskey. So instead of 12 years old, it might have been 13, 14 years old. Okay. I think that affects it a little bit. Uh, but at that time, you were doing so little of it. It was like my Russell's line. You were picking out just your very best barrels to hold back because we weren't doing LTOs. We weren't doing anything but Wild Turkey 101 8 year and 12 year gotcha gotcha got of course we had the four-year-old 80 proof but that wasn't something that we worried too much about yeah. so i just think it was that very small batch you were doing back then that people thought was like your 101 eight-year-old it wasn't that big batch it was that very limited number of barrels that you were thought you were the best any desire to bring it back Oh, I have a desire all the time. I, I mean, I, I pitch to our company all the time. I would love to do 8-year-old, aged 101, 12-year-old 101. The reason the 12-year-old went away everywhere but Japan was because of the Russell's 10. When I decided to continue that label and do that, I just didn't have enough juice to do the 10-year-old and the twelve. So that's the reason that we had to do away at the twelve in the United States.
1: Okay, so if this bourbon boom would just slow down a little bit, we could get some cheesy
0: gold foil well turkey back?
2: Yeah, but then that means it slowed down, so I'm not sure we want to do that. Huh?
0: <laughs> well, with, with the 8-year-old and 10-year-old in mind, what I've just poured for us is some 8-year-old um, 101 from 1977. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had not so, even started working here. Uh, at that exactly. Time. I, so I was hoping. So at the uh, at the Chicago Jubilee, so first off, cheers. 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 Uh, thank you for your time today. Yeah. Um, at the Chicago Jubilee, there was a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Renschen, who's also a massive turkey fan. And uh, he just happened to have this little sample bottle of 77, eight year old 101 and somehow I left the festival with it in my possession. I thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, this is from Jonathan Renschen, and now to you. Thank you, Jonathan. Cheers, Here's Jonathan. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to do the math. I said, okay, 77. All right, let me, let me Google. Okay, Eddie Russell, Time at Wild Turkey. And last year I think you celebrated your 35th fifth year. That's, that's correct. So that's nineteen eighty one. Right. Then June fifth. June June fifth. All right. The question that I had, and, and this gets sort of back to what you were saying, you know, the, the cheesy gold foil, the eight-year-old, there have been iconic wild turkey bottlings and that have resonated with, with so many people and for for many different reasons. And, you know, interestingly enough, the cheesy gold foil is now resonating with people when years ago people weren't really drinking bourbon and they, they weren't able to appreciate just how amazing it was. But you uh, designed the uh, as part of the master Master's Keep series and Decades, which came out
2: last last year or early this it came year? came out first this year in first America. First this year. Yeah.
0: Okay. And I bought my bottle back in April here at the distillery. Um, was blown away by it, and then you were uh, that bottling got the number three slot in top twi- top twenty whiskeys. Period, whether it's in the U.S. or Scotland, Japan, etc. And so, what I wanted to ask you was, what goes into designing these whiskeys? You know, you had you had Jimmy that was designing for many years, and, and is probably doing some designing now too. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm curious to know what, what goes into these, into these special whiskeys and specifically with decades, because I know it's kind of a, a rare one. You've got whiskeys between 10 and 20 years old. So w- what are you doing after you're distilling? What's going on in the blending area?
2: So for me, it's, you know, Jimmy did some limited time offerings back in the early 2000s. Some of the first ones only went to Japan. And then he did one called American Spirit. was only bottled in bond we ever did. A 15-year-old, 100 proof. Oh, wow. And to this day, he still thinks it's one of the best whiskeys he's ever had uh, or ever done. And then he did one called Tradition, which was a 14-year-old. Oh, yes, I know that one well. And then that was about the time that he sort of quit doing them. We were in the process of being up for sale. Um, and then I did one for his 60th anniversary called diamond. Uh, and as I did that, when I got to thinking I should bring back this tradition of what Jimmy used to do, where Mm. you find these few barrels and it's only a few hundred barrels and start putting them out as limited time offerings. The first one I did was a 17 year old that, There'll never be any more whiskey like that made at Wild Turkey because wow. it was aged in brick warehouses. I ran out of warehouse space and oh. and rented two big brick warehouses down where Old Taylor was originally made, right down on the river. Yeah, and um, the next one that came along was really for my thirty fifth anniversary and. Uh, I tasted this whiskey, and it just seemed to hit every mark for what I like, but it also hit what Jimmy loved, which was some of that very long, lingering finish. That's what I tell people the decades. It's like you take a drink, and you can take two or three sips of water, and it's still there, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I remember growing up. Jimmy loved that long, lingering finish, and without him, I wouldn't be here, so... When you do things, it, it just brings back memories from 36 years of what Jimmy's done through his life, uh, and you know coming in and understanding I can't be Jimmy, and my taste profile's a little bit different than Jimmy's, so the decades was sort of both of us together. It had that nice, creamy beginning, had that sort of sweetness to it, and then... nice spice but that long super long finish was pure jimmy russell so it was just a tribute and when i do those things it's always something about what's happened over the last 36 years really okay
0: that's very cool and and it was that natural cast strength it was over over 100 proof 110 proof somewhere around there Uh, it was
2: 104 proof yeah Uh, came out of the barrel at 106 so everything went in the barrel at 107 back in those days um So for me, you know, doing those things like that, you know, that's what Jimmy, when I started here, he said the best whiskey went in the barrel at 105 to 110. And something that I didn't really know, I I guess you sort of mature as you grow in the business and you start looking back at the history because my generation never did. You actually couldn't put bourbon in the barrel higher than 110 proof until 1962. Seagram's Corporation... Uh, lobbied the government the federal government to raise it to 125 and they did this study claiming that it didn't affect the whiskey if you put it in and they said it was you know to help everybody out but what it did was made it cheaper because the barrels the most huh. expensive part yeah so you know for years and years nobody put in the barrel over 110 and most people were balling at a hundred So for us at 107 and everything was going in the bottle that 101 for us, you know, your dumps came out 104 or 5 or 6, and you were bottling a 101, so there wasn't much water added to it. So that's when the Russell's uh, single barrel came out at 110. I mean, I had to search for barrels to be 111 or 12 proof just to get to 110. So that's what I do with most anything. Even the 17-year-old I did, was eighty six point eight proof. When it was dumped, it was eighty eight point three. So it didn't add much water. And that's that's the thing about it. The non chill filter like everybody used to be, yeah. Not adding much water to it. It's just a much more natural product. So that's interesting. So
0: LDI or Seagram's at the time, to spend less money on barrels said, let's dilute the spirit down less so we don't need to buy so many barrels so you end up
2: filling it at a higher proof. Well, that's not how they presented it, but I'm sure that's sort of what they were thinking because your barrel is your most expensive thing. Uh, You know, they were that company that they hired chemical engineers right out of college. They had lots of them and everything was scientific. Where I grew up in this industry, it wasn't scientific. It was... The last master distiller, my grandfather and yeah, yeah. my father told me this was best this way. Wow. You know, okay. so it was a little bit different. So, I mean, I still get it today. I was in New York earlier this year, and I was doing some, and I have learned the science behind it. And I do a little thing where I show a little more of the science about the esterification, how the esters form, and different things like that. And I got a call from... um a magazine and some guy just come out and said scientifically he's proven that whiskey's better if you add water to it. Huh. So they wanted to talk to me so I I talked to him a little bit and I said you know taste is is personal. Everybody mm-hmm. tastes a little different. I mean I remember Booker and Elmer and Jimmy would walk out in public and say here's my whiskey. This is what it smells like and this is what it tastes like. And I realized Not everybody tastes the same, so I don't even talk about that. But they were telling me this, and I said, well, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I give you this one challenge. You come to my distillery, I'll let you taste out of 10 barrels that are barrel-proof, and you tell me that it's going to taste better when we put water in it, because it's not going to be that way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So so given your... 36 years of history with Wild Turkey. And given that we're having this 1977 before you got here, um, one of the things in tasting through the casks in the warehouse with you is that you have a fantastic palate. I'm curious if you can put that 1977 in context for us, given what you know about Wild Turkey. What do you taste in that glass that speaks to an era before you got here?
2: Well, I, I think this is the cheesy gold foil, probably hits my taste profile a little more. I think it's a little more creamier, a yeah. little more sweeter. Uh, you know, there's been some articles written about the wall turkey funk. I almost think this has that wall turkey funk to it. It's a little different, mm-hmm. but it's Jimmy. It's a little bigger, it's a little bolder, mm-hmm. has some sweetness to it, and that finish just sticks with you forever. Um, uh, I, I I'm amazed anymore. I used to think I had the best job in the world for many years, but it seems like in the last six or seven years, it's got better because I have people that come in here all the time with <laughs> 1977, 1983, <laughs> 1987. Uh, I had a guy just gave me a bottle this weekend of uh, or this past week of 2004 rare breed. Uh, the first time we did 108.2, and I'm like, they always say, "Do you want to try?" And I'm like, "Yes, let's <laughs> open that up." You know, uh, it's amazing. Nobody, nobody loved this spirit back then. It was just that generation, and I think it spoke to what Wild Turkey's always been about: is lots of flavor, a lot of character. Where people just weren't used to that, and now that's what people are looking for. So. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to taste. I mean, I was only 17 in 1977. And I always tell Jimmy I didn't drink until I was 21. But <laughs> I might have got some of this out of his cabinet when I was 17. So it does bring back some memories. Uh, so to have odor whiskey like this, I, I mean, I, I think about all of my times. I mean, I tell people all the time, I thought it was normal to go fishing with Booker Knoll and Elmer T. Lee. And now I realize that wasn't quite so normal. It was for us because we grew up in this little area. But, you know, when Jimmy came out with Rare Breed, I took it on a fishing trip with Booker and Elmer. And Elmer just poured some of his hands and rubbed his hands together. A lot of the old Master sellers did that. Yep. And he just smelled it. And he said, pure Jimmy Russell. That's how well they knew each other. You know, so things like that. This would be what I would think of as pure Jimmy Russell. He wanted something that it started out good, but man, you knew you had to drink a bourbon.
1: This is interesting. Listening to you put the context on this, would you say that bourbon drinkers have grown up around what Wild Turkey and what Jimmy and what you have been doing? Do you think when it first came on the scene it was doing something different than other bourbons?
2: Oh, I definitely think so because, you know, Wild Turkey's been around for a while and I think when Jimmy started a lot of bourbons were like Wild Turkey. They were big, they were bold, they had a lot of taste and flavor. But as I grew into the age where I could drink, a lot of them had changed that. They'd went to softer and sweeter mm. and, yeah. you know, yeah. not as much proof, not as, you know, not as much taste. And Jimmy was like, this is what bourbon's about. I'm not changing just because, I mean, Jimmy still thinks is a fad, so everything's a fad to Jimmy, <laughs> you know. So, and, th- and that's what's neat. I-, I tell everybody all the time, you know, Probably never be another three-generation family working at a stairway together because, you know, growing up with Jimmy, it was like I'm not changing anything. And then I come along and it's like, well, my taste profile is a little different, started the Russell's line, do some different things. But without Jimmy, I wouldn't be here. Sure, And then my son comes along and he looks at my dad and says, Rye's the best thing we make. And my dad doesn't <laughs> drink any rye, you know, even though he's made it. So it's neat to have that. And and I appreciate that my son is willing to say rye's the best thing we have. Because you don't want to just, you want to keep the tradition. And I would never change what Jimmy's built here. But I think it's cool to have those different thoughts and different things. I mean, taking one recipe, it, it's To me, to this day, it's still crazy to think we taste 10 or 12 barrels and every single barrel tastes different.
1: Uh, Do you lament that loss for the the bourbon industry, that generational passing of the torch that we're probably doing away with it, we're probably losing it? Do you lament that, given that you come from a a multi-generational bourbon family?
2: Well, I'm sad to see it happen, definitely. I mean, besides Freddie No's son and my son, there's nobody left. But, you know, I grew up in rural Kentucky, and I think of the farmers. No kid grew up and wanted to work as a farmer. I mean, my son quit us for a year because and nobody could understand except me. I mean, when I came into it, I thought the same way. But when my son came along, he looked at his granddad was 80 years old and still worked seven days a week. And he's like, I don't want that job, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And then he realized, you know, it was, he loved it. It was in his blood. And now he complains to me about dad. I'm working seven days a week. And I said, yeah, I've been doing it for 36 years. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a long way to go. son." <laughs> you know, uh, but it, you know, it's, This job wasn't what you loved if it wasn't fun every day. I mean, that's the thing about coming here. It's always fun. It's always I'm telling you stories. It's always I want to keep that alive. And we just don't have much of that left.
1: Uh, And that was just the starting point of of the follow up that I had for you is what do you think the industry loses when it starts to lose multi-generational bourbon families?
2: Well, you you just get into, well, I can prove this by science, or I can prove this by this, or, you know, I, I'm going to say this. Um, it's even like being called a master distiller. I get the question. I was in South Carolina this past week, and there's a, a young uh, distillery there called 620, I think was the name of it, and they're doing gins, they're doing creams, they're doing all sorts of things, and... They followed me around for two days, and they kept asking the question, like, when should we call this guy Master Distiller? And I'm like, "Wow! well, it only took me 35 years. (laughs) (laughs) It took Jimmy 13, you know. Uh, I'm more comfortable with head distiller until you get all of it. Now, I understand there's a lot of new brands that you need that face you need that person that's going to be the public figure out in front of it and they'll call them the master distiller uh, there's you know we talked about this a little bit earlier as we were tasting through barrels there's probably never going to be anybody else that learned it the way a few of us did where mm. you start out rolling barrels and then you work in maintenance you work in balling, you work in the distillery you work in the warehouse and um, I'm not sure that Bruce needs to be the person who grants the vacations and puts the personnel out to every job anymore because there's other people to do that. But when I started, Jimmy was master distiller, human resources, plant manager, union negotiator, engineer. Wow. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I came here and started working here and a few months into the job, I, I told him one day, I said, you know, one of these days I wanna be you. And he said, which one? engineer plant manager and i thought he had a big ego you know and then i realized he was telling me the truth because he did all those things i mean our love is to make the whiskey but there's so much more to it and you know some people are just going to be that face or that marketing person but i told those guys i said you know use the word distiller or head distiller whatever you want to use and then you know, when they get to the point, they're not, when somebody asks a question, because that's the difference now, is you've got bartenders that understand a lot. There's so much knowledge out there, and they ask the question you can't answer. You're not quite there yet, you know, so you got to figure all that out. When we first got here, you were telling us how I was in South
0: Carolina last week, and then Las Vegas, and then I'm going here, I'm going there. And, and then you do this program of, of the Russell's Reserve picks, and then you probably wear 13 other hats. And I'm just curious, of all the different hats you wear, what's the one that satisfies you the most? What's the one that, if you're looking forward to it?
2: Well, I enjoy the barrel picks because I have so much fun doing it. Jimmy always questions why I taste with everybody. I tell him it's quality control. But <laughs> it's really because I love to taste those barrels and tell the stories as I'm doing it. But of all the jobs I've done here, I'm still fascinated by the the fermentation, what happens in that process right. okay, and things like that. But my number one thing is the aging process. When I took over the warehousing in 92 or 93 and started tasting individual barrels mm-hmm. all the time, it just, like, it, it amazed me that I could put 400 barrels in a warehouse or two or three warehouses right. in one day and then go back and taste them two or four years later, and they all tasted different. So that's the part I look forward to is picking out the barrels for each one of our products and how they blend them together to keep consistent tastes mm-hmm. and the barrel program is even more fun because you're not looking for consistent taste you're looking for exactly. different tastes so yeah. those are the things I look forward to when when I love being out on the road for one reason that's talking to people and getting to meet people and telling the story of what wild turkey and believe me I I talk about Jimmy a lot but i talk about Booker Nolan, Elmer Lee, and Parker mm. Beam a lot. Yeah. Cuz those four guys is what held this industry together for many years. Yeah. Uh but what i when i'm home, what i love when i wake up in the morning is i've got a barrel pick at 10. I've got a barrel pick at 1. Yeah. Every day, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: And then i'm having to go to the lab and taste a few samples, so it's always a good day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's you know, we we were talking a little bit earlier about for Ro- well, we were talking about warehousing and and a lot of warehousing going to palletization, and how how Four Roses really does a lot of that. I I think is all of their.
2: They have some four story warehouses, yeah, but, they'll, but they'll tell everybody uh, we just need one level. We prefer one level. Yeah. So you know the
0: interesting thing for me, and this this gets back to our our, our barrel selection is they have 10 different recipes to ensure that their barrels are always different, always unique. You have one recipe, one barrel jar, a multitude of warehouses, and then rickhouse levels. And, and this, this part of it amazes me, and it gets back to what you were saying, is the maturation part, the barrel picking part, is what fascinates you. and And... It, I mean, you're 36 years into this now, and I'm just curious, you, know, you talked about K, you know, Warehouse K giving you that, that you know, a different style and Warehouse B giving you a certain style. And, you know, if you were to just apply your own experience to it, you know, why why is that happening That that K would taste a certain way, B would taste a certain way? H and, and so on and so forth and why some of these G barrels that we were tasting are just cherry casks just knock them out of the park like why do you think that's happening if everything's the same and the warehouses are just a few hundred feet apart other than the wild turkey ghosts that we know are all around the, <laughs> that's the warehouses right, that's right <laughs> well, I, th- I think
2: it's really neat when my dad gets that question you know I talk about G and Somebody else say, Jimmy, why is G better? And he said, because it's good in season, because it was built in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> but when I look at them, some of the warehouses are, might be faced a different way. We don't face each one a certain way. Uh, some are out by themselves. I've had a lot of barrels this year from H that, that people have really loved a lot. It sits completely by itself where nothing's around it. B's probably one of the highest level warehouses we have Uh, G's close to the river sitting where nothing's around it Um, I think those factors and there's just so many I mean you just don't know and it is amazing because when you you get a warehouse it's like the characteristics of a warehouse a lot of the barrels will have those characteristics and Mm. you're like why is that and then you go back and you start looking well How's it facing, north or south, east or west, and how's the wind blowing through it, and, you know, things like that. It's just, there's so much to it, and for us, with just that one recipe, and that's something I stress every time I talk to people, is when the day I put it in the barrel, I want it all to be as close to the same as I possibly can get it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was actually having some beers with a chemist last night and I was talking to him about coming here and talking to him about our experience with Warehouse G and those very minty notes on it and then telling him about just what we're describing right now, that each warehouse has its own characteristic. And his question was, as a chemist, can they replicate that? Like if you were, and I know you don't, but if you were to have a favorite warehouse, could you make it so that every single warehouse tasted like that favorite
2: warehouse? My answer is no. I mean, and Jimmy said that from day one. I mean, when I built, uh, we built basically a brand new distillery in December of 2010. And my whole life, my father had said, if we take our recipe, our grains, Jimmy Russell, and move him 50 miles down the road to a different distillery, our whiskey wouldn't be the same. So it really sort of worried me, and it did. It took almost a year to get to the point where I thought I'm making the same whiskey I was in the old distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I just don't think, you know, if I took a warehouse and said, all right, so G-Face is basically uh, northwest to southeast, uh can I get it this close to the river? Uh, There's nothing really around it, so i got to make sure it's got a lot of air circulation. I think it would be different. (laughs) And that's the fun part of this business. But, But I also think that's in talking
1: to numerous distillers and master distillers and people around distilleries is that there's really no desire to know why something works the way it does they're happy to know the result of it without needing to know the processes of it and if a warehouse does you know minty notes for you great tickety-boo if another warehouse does really deep fruits for you or red fruits as we discussed earlier then still be it and i and i think for me that's part of the the romance and the wonder of whiskey distillation is that sometimes you get something that you didn't plan that you didn't expect and you just enjoy that aspect of it.
2: Yeah, and you know, we talk to a lot of young distillers, a lot of new places that are starting up, and they'll always like give me one or two pieces of advice. And Jimmy has a couple, he always says, but You just can't get too technical. I mean, Jimmy understood beer chemistry. He understood everything about it. Maybe not the way a chemical engineer would, but honestly, he didn't give a... (laughs) You can say it. We don't bleep. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't care about any of that stuff. It basically... Yeah. He basically... All that matters is what it tasted like when it went in the barrel and when it came out. Yeah he just didn't care if you were getting a 6 or 7% yield when everybody else was getting a 10 or 12% yield he you know he looked at ballings and he looked at several things in the process but really all that matters was what that white dog or that new distillate tasted like when it went in the barrel and then as it started ageing, that's all that mattered to him. Yeah. When we were first bought by Pernod Ricard in 1981, I was just starting here. And they come in and they were like, well, how much does it cost to make a gallon of whiskey? And Jimmy said, I don't know. He didn't care. Yeah. He just knew that this is what I'm doing. This is what it made it taste good. You know, I have to look at things like that nowadays, but it's still... It boils down to, I want it to taste like this when it goes in the barrel. When it comes out, I want to have all these great flavors that I can mingle together to make our different products.
1: Tremendous. Uh, I just want to circle back on one thing that's been covered in part of this conversation and we were discussing in the warehouse earlier as well, which is I would love to have one of you in every single distillery because in talking to you, you very much understand the role of the independent bottler or the single cask selection, those vagaries of casks. And at the end of this, I have no idea what the question is. Um, I, just, I just like hearing you support what it is that we do. Um, but you clearly grasp that there's a, a role for wild turkeys distillers, your dad, you, your son, to produce the wild turkey that people expect when it's got the wild turkey label on it. And there's a wild turkey that can exist in the realm of cask selections that are off-the-beaten-path casks. And you can have a peek behind the wild turkey curtain to see what else can happen here with the ingredients, the casks, the maturation, the warehouse, and so on and so forth. This is why I don't know what my question actually is, because <laughs> what I really want to ask you is, why do you think other distilleries don't understand that? But I'm not sure you want to speak on behalf of other distilleries. But wh- why is it that you, um, what is it about that that you appreciate? Let's let's leave you with words in
2: your mouth. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I may know the answer without the question. Uh, and I... And <laughs>
0: Thank I, you. I
2: Eddie's doing the heavy
0: lifting here.
2: Good. And I I can't speak for other distilleries, but I think for me, growing up as Jimmy Russell as my father, early on realizing that I couldn't be Jimmy Russell, Mm. Uh, 36 years into the job, I'm learning every day. I started the Russell's Reserve Single Barrel four years ago. And I had in mind that I wanted to make it a very unique experience where you tasted out of not just two or three barrels, but ten barrels. You were doing it in an original warehouse. You know, I gave you as much information as I could give you. Um, but I've learned in those four years. I've learned when I first put those barrels out, it was really Jimmy's taste profile mine. And then as I talked to people and seen what people were looking for, I'm like, well, I'll put those taste profiles down here because we had them. Yeah, uh, and I think that's that's the part is I think people get to a point where they think I know everything, and believe me, thirty six years in, I I don't, and I'm still learning. And I, you know, I want people to be able to come into Wild Turkey and say, you know, I may not like that one, but I like that one. Awesome. You know, it's just like when I said. 101 and rare breed and russells people come up and say what's your favorite and I'm like well I can tell you which one I drink the most but they're all my favorites for different mm-hmm. reasons you know um which is I think that's what's important is I grew up I think the biggest thing for me is I grew up in that era where bourbon the whole bourbon group was so closed-minded about I'm only going to promote to this person in this age group in this area. Mm. and This is what you, we got. This is all you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, I love Booker No. He was probably my favorite of all time. And he was famous for saying, here's my whiskey. If you don't like it, send it back. I'll drink it. <laughs> you know, I've had people call <laughs> and say, well, I have a guy that wants to pick a barrel, but he wants it all the sixth floor only facing the river and this and that. And I'm like, well, I'll tell you this four years in, I've never had a person come in here and not pick a barrel, Yeah. yeah not yeah. find one they like. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. and I've had people tell me stories of where they've been to the stirries and they didn't find one they like. And, you know, I pulled barrels out of the rail yeah. just so they could taste one that, that they might like. And that's what it's about for me. I'm not picking your barrel. I'm giving you so many different tastes. There's bound to be one you like. And I think that's, to me, that's what it's about. Yeah. Well,
0: with with that in mind and with with barrel selection in mind, Jason and I have a little something for you, which has been hiding behind Jason's back. Jason. (laughs) This is our Whiskey Jubilee Festival bottling. This was the... uh,
1: Warehouse A. Uh, The background is your Warehouse A. The cask is the exact cask that we tasted from that's in the back that our hero over here is using your valance to pour that sample from. And so this was us selecting with you in April and we thank you very much
2: for your time then and for your time today. Oh man, I appreciate this. This is fantastic. So I wonder what I can get on the secondary, market. (laughs) (laughs) It's good they're going for lots lots of cash. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I probably don't have six bottles that I wouldn't open. I'll pass them down to my son, and they were bottles that Jimmy did. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah. I'll probably be drinking this with my best friend. Good, good, I really, I really appreciate this. This is fantastic. The thing about this is, you know, I've got to know you guys pretty good uh, now, but when this first started, I was not for it, because we'd really never, ever let anybody had barrels that they bottled on their own. Yeah. Um, So, it sort of struck me as, I'm not going to do this. But then, as I've got to know you guys, I really appreciate what you do with this, and I push for barrel strength all the time, so I love it that you do it <laughs> cash strength. Uh, so I do appreciate yeah. this, and you're always welcome at Wall Cheers, cheers. Thank you. Thank much. Much. It's cheers, it's, it's a
0: relationship that we take very seriously, and we, we feel honored to be, I think, the only people allowed to do something like this. Um, so thank you. Thank you for your oh, time today. Thank you, today. guys. Love to do it. Uh, it's been fantastic. Anything you want to
1: add? or? You, you I, I just know you're out traveling. I know that you're spending time away from your family, and I appreciate again to see you and interviewing you and getting you on wax, as Josh and I
0: are prone to say. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so, Mr. Eddie Russell, thank you so much for all the time that you've given us. Jason, one of the things that I loved at the end of this Interview that we had with him was him being very open and honest saying You know at, at, at first I didn't really understand it. I didn't really like what you guys were doing it I was kind of against it, but I See what you're doing. I got to know you guys and I'm and I'm happy to continue doing it Yeah, that was a, a
1: beautiful thing to hear. It's funny because I remember in April Him telling us that Jimmy was against it. Yes, and so I, I feel like our relationship is burgeoning when yes. he says, I was against it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that that's evidence of a burgeoning relationship. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But, but the other thing I would yeah. echo from our conversation with him is just how supportive he is of the independent bottler mm-hmm. slash the bottle selection process to present a side of wild turkey there is not the popular face of Wild Turkey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love hearing that from him. So, so that's that's the point that I'm taking away from today, uh, as well as his friendship and good humor and good yeah. stories.
0: Yeah, and and as as much as he's pro independent bottler, you know, I I still remain and will always be um, thankful and and honored to be the one independent bottler that that they're working with. That's it. That they're yeah. saying yes to, yeah. right?
1: At Natural Cast Yeah. That's a yep.
0: huge yeah. honor.
1: And and we don't take it for granted. No,
0: no. No. So thanks again, Eddie. Yeah, really, cheers. really appreciate that and the amount of time you give to us and uh and your friendship. It's good. We enjoy it. Um that leads us
1: neatly oh to news. <laughs> About it. life story of Playboy extra, 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 Read all about it. Me and that in trouble again. Extra. I want to lead off the news segment this week huh? with something that I'm insanely proud of, and I think we're both insanely yeah. proud of, and we sincerely thank the people of Seattle and surrounding regions. But after having our tickets on sale for two weeks, We are halfway sold out. Yeah. Uh, Actually, just a little over. Yeah, just a little over now, as of today. uh, (laughs) sold out, which is remarkable. Mm -hmm. We've been building these jubilees, and we've been seeing better ticket sales. Seattle's blowing everybody out of the water. Yep. Everybody, yep. take notice New York and Chicago. <laughs> I didn't want to cause any fights <laughs> across the nation, but I'm I'm absolutely blown away by the support from Seattle. So if you haven't purchased your Whiskey Jubilee ticket, we are still offering the early bird special. Yes. E G B T W E B G Early bird gets the Early bird J- gets stop Jason. Eg, that's what I said. Early
0: gets bird the worm. Oh, no, that's not right. No, that's incorrect. It's incorrect. Do not use that code. So early bird gets the worm. That that's the code. So E B G T W two one eight. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so that that early bird gets the worm. Don't type out early bird gets the worm, but E B G T W two one eight. If you go to our Whiskey Jubilee website, go to the Seattle page, use that code upon checkout, and your ninety-five dollar ticket magically turns into a eighty eighty dollar and seventy five cent ticket plus ticketing fees and you know typical stuff like that. But yeah, best best price that will be offered. Uh, make sure you grab that before December yeah. twenty-two. Yes, that's and, the final day.
1: And I would even grab it sooner than that because at this rate, <laughs> we ain't gonna have any tickets left.
0: Yeah, if we if we more than halfway sold out in two weeks. I'm so excited. Yeah. So so that's that's fantastic. Whiskey Jubilee March
1: fifteenth at Within Sodo in Seattle. Yeah, from yep. seven till ten. Yep. And as we get closer, we'll be announcing Whiskey Jubilee Week events. Yes. So. That's what I want to say there. And cool. over to you for second yeah. news
0: item. So I wanted to let people know or remind people that our second release of Single Cast Nation whiskeys uh, are hitting store shelves in Massachusetts. It's been on store shelves and, and they're almost sold out. So So if you live in Massachusetts, don't wait because it's whiskey buying season. Those whiskeys will be gone. Uh, in Illinois, the stuff is just hitting shelves now. Uh, California uh, is hitting shelves now, In Connecticut, New York, New Jersey as well. If you do not see single cast nation whiskeys on your retailer shelf, be sure to reach out to your retailer. If say, you're
1: in one of those markets. If
0: you're in one of those markets, yep, thank you. Uh, and, and ask for it. And... And if you want to know what's in the second release of Single Cast Nation, it's the twenty-eight-year-old canvas. Yeah, tastes right. like cotton candy. Single grain, matured, extra matured in a muscatel oh, sherry cask. Goes down very easy. Yeah, the nine-year-old Milton Duff. Big crowd pleaser, right. big surpriser. massive. Yep, yeah. uh, the twenty-year-old Inchmarin. Yeah, I haven't poured that yet for oh, anybody. Man, so good, uh, so unpeated. Spirit, matured in a peated cask. Lovely, lovely, lovely. From the Loch Lomond distillery. Loch Lomond. Um, Then we've got our 10-year-old Laphroaig. Massive crowd pleaser. Massive, yep. Yep, really on the lighter side, fruitier side of Laphroaig's. Um, And then we have our 18-year-old Spanish rum, which uh, 135 bottles, and I'm telling you, and it's probably our most expensive Bottling that one's moving faster than anything that I've seen,
1: and I do have to interject and oh. say we called him out in the last episode. We did. Yes, he texted me immediately upon yeah, yeah. concluding the episode. Talking about your brother, yeah, to say he, my Murray. brother Murray, yeah, and is one of his great mates, Funky,
0: <laughs> Funky.
1: Ah, uh, they opened it and consumed it within a night. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which. Yeah, it's only a $150 bottle of rum. You you pull the cork and throw it away and finish it in a night. And uh, he confirmed that they absolutely loved it and they're waiting for us to release more rums. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there will be more coming. So thanks for reaching out, Murray. Yeah, thank
0: you, Murray. Um, and then the final whiskey, and this is actually a California exclusive, and this is our 21-year-old Tormor. Uh So ex-bourbon cask. Uh, really has that beautiful Tormor spice, but it's like a lemon meringue pie, malty, spicy, just a wonderful treat. Are those the six? That's the six, Jason. Do we have a Ben Rennis? No.
1: Okay. We I might have ben dreamt Rinnis. that.
0: I think he totally dreamt it. We don't have a 20 year old Ben Rennis? No, we have a 20 year old Ben Nevis. <laughs> That's from our first release. Wow. You know that we're overworked <laughs> when Jason doesn't even rem- remember what we've bottled.
1: <laughs> I remember the 20-year-old Ben Neves. I just <laughs> I just maybe had a dream the other night that we also had a 20-year-old Ben Rennes. Yeah. These are the things that go on in my brain. We
0: tasted a 16-year-old Ben Rennes that was lovely, but we, uh, we missed it. We, we unfortunately... Did not get that gas.
1: It sold out before we could. Yeah, it got, it.
0: It, 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 it got nabbed.
1: Well, maybe that's what was working there. in my, my subconscious. Okay. Um, and then to, to add on to this, we have selected our third release yes. of Single Cast Nation Retail, and we should be seeing that the first
0: quarter. First quarter of, of 2018. 2018. Yep. Uh, and our hope is that for 2018, we will have three releases of six. Bottlings,
1: yeah. and, and, f- yeah. and for Single Cast Nation members, those who watch the online store, mm-hmm. we should be coming out the gate pretty strong in 2018. Yes. And so keep an eye on the website and keep an eye on your email and keep an eye on Single Cast Nation Facebook private group. Uh, I've opened to members of Single Cast Nation.
0: So. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely good to mention. I think that's it for the news. Got anything else to add? Nope. Okay. Cool. Um, so we, you know, it's interesting. We received. Is that how they sign off on
1: like the nightly news? We're like, and and finally, a kitten was rescued from a tree this afternoon. And then one of them turns to the other and says, anything else to add? We go, nope. That's the end of the news.
0: Catch us at every hour on the hour here at News 10. Uh we received an email from uh James Foster who gets mentioned uh weekly. Yeah, yeah. Weekly contributor. Yeah. Well, you know this podcast is bi weekly, right? (laughs) I stand by it. Right. (laughs) But we still still mention him weekly. (laughs) Um (laughs) so it's interesting. Uh the email came in I think the day that our last podcast went live. And he said, Boy, you know, I really wish that you would interview some, some bar owners, you know, and and talk to them how they're how they're selling their whiskeys. And uh and I mentioned in our last podcast yep. that I interviewed Aaron Zacharias from Fountainhead, and we want to talk to Christopher Gronback from Barrel Thief and 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 Mike at Delilahs and et cetera.
1: Yep.
0: And and so he sent a follow-up email saying, yeah, you know, the subject was Kismet. <laughs> I should have listened to the episode, you know, before I emailed you something like that. So, it's always nice when we have uh, regular listeners who are who are listening keenly. Yeah, every... is a
1: perfect seg <gasps> into for our 1-year anniversary episode. Oh. We want to do a listener mailbag episode. Yes. Where we're just answering your questions. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And so, please uh, overwhelm us yes. at questions at one nation under whiskey no e in whiskey dot com, and please just anything, anything, anything doesn't have to be technical, it doesn't have to be super top secret, it doesn't have to be, you know, the the most intellectual in depth. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I want you
0: to. <laughs> that's that's quite obvious. Here's what I want. Yeah, what do you want, Jason?
1: I just want the listener to relax. Yeah. Think, there's a question that I've always had, and not worry about whether it's good enough for the episode. Okay. Just send it in. I'd love to read that and give it an answer on our one-year anniversary episode, which will be, I'm putting you on the spot.
0: It will be February 14th. (gasps) That
1: sounds like a special
0: day. Oh, I'm in love with that day.
1: I'm in love with this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the other ways in which you can send us questions beyond, yes. the, beyond the email yes. that Jason mentioned, yes, you can tweet at us at One Nation Whiskey. You could send us an Instagram message at One Nation Under Whiskey. Or you can send us a Facebook message, com slash One Nation Under Whiskey.
1: Yeah, I really want to, rely on the listeners for that episode. I I just desperately want to hear from as many as possible and cover as many emails as possible.
0: So overwhelm us, don't underwhelm us. Correct. Correct. Don't let us down. Correct. (laughs) Um, Jason, last episode, Uh you and I did not bring up a misconception. Right. Right. And so I have two misconceptions. The first one being, it's a misconception that we will always have misconceptions <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> it's a misconception
1: that we will always know what we're doing and publishing. <laughs> yes.
0: um, number two? <laughs> number two. And th- this this was me trying to be a little bit sneaky. And, and And I tip my hat to Eddie Russell on this one. So... I asked him, I said, I said, look, I know you don't publicize this, but what's your mash bill? <laughs> I figured the worst that can happen is I'm not going to tell you. Yep. And his answer was, I'm not going to tell you. He did say right? that. Right? Uh, please trust me that I asked in a much nicer way than, than I
1: <laughs>
0: You say that. It's a pretty <laughs> direct question. I tried to be a little direct. Um, <laughs> but he brought up a point that i found really interesting and he, you know he said look i could come out and i can tell you it's got x amount of corn x amount of rye x amount of barley in there yep but here's the thing you know we tell people we're a high rye bourbon and sometimes you get big spice on that bourbon and sometimes you don't it's when it comes to that no matter what percentage rye we have in that mash bill, depending on how we cook that rye, sometimes it's going to be spicy and sometimes it's not going to be spicy. So you overcook it and all that spice is going to leave, but you're going to get that sweetness coming through. So the numbers don't necessarily... I mean, they do mean something, but it's more than just numbers.
1: Yeah, it was great listening to an American whiskey producer talking about process versus hard and fast numbers. And it made me think back mm-hmm. to a few episodes ago okay. when we spoke with Chris Maben, uh, representing Bordaskeg, and we talked about PPM, the phenolic parts per million. And just because you see the number 35 or just because you see the number 45 doesn't mean that it's going to come out less than the other. Depends on distillery Processes, mm-hmm. the particular distillation techniques employed, and so here you've got Eddie talking about the cooking of the mash bill, mm-hmm. the cooking of the grain, and here on Isla we were talking about the distillation right. of the spirit. Correct. But I I loved hearing that today. I, I thought that was really fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, it's like you'd said, very much like the the peat misconception, this is a mash bill misconception. You know, everybody wants to hear, you know, they talk about the MGP, you know, mash bill 95%, you know, uh, rye, 5% barley, you know, those numbers, the numbers do mean something, but it's not, it's not just that.
1: Well, they don't exist in a vacuum, right? Right. They're they're connected to real world techniques. Yep, 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 yep. Um, And that's important to remember. Yeah, um, just to to move us on slightly, I have nothing in my glass, can, and yeah. I can see that you have nothing in your glass. No, I'm
0: still I'm, st- I'm still working on this. Okay, chances is my birthday.
1: Get, get over your gullet. But
0: what, can can we do something?
1: Well, here's what I'm going to suggest we do, and then you can suggest what you'd like to do, and we can just keep recording the podcast.
0: I say f- you say uck. No okay. So how about I say uck you say f. Uk. Okay,
1: uck uck. I have no idea what okay. we're doing. So this, I'm I'm feeling inspired. So am I by this coverage of Eddie Russell? Yes. This coverage of the warehouse. Warehouse. This coverage of the tasting. Tasting. You and I should probably yes. retaste the cask, the cask selection. Yes. And report to our listeners What they can expect Yeah,
0: let's go over some tasting When it gets released Okay, give us one second, listeners And we'll be back shortly With some wild turkey In our glass All right All right All right right so so we're back okay <laughs> so we're not going to take too long on this well no okay well
1: it's another one of those situations where if somebody doesn't have this in their glass at home yeah i don't we don't need to belabor the point but i definitely want to give people an idea <laughs> just like we do with sometimes we record for youtube sometimes we well every time we put the full tasting notes on our website This is just a little preview Mm -hmm. of some unofficial notes. Uh, Color on it is this beautiful amber, kind of a
0: a, a deep amber. Yeah, it's, you know, comparing it to some of the other cask samples that we tasted in the warehouse. This was darker than the others. very much.
1: Even Eddie was kind of surprised and double-checked that he had uh, poured, filled. Right. uh, (laughs) Filled our glasses from the right cask. Uh, Very fresh on the nose. Very fresh, very
0: bright. Yeah, there's a a really bright sweetness on the nose. A little bit of a nuttiness going on there. Even a a little maybe almond, a little marzipan to the back of it. Yep.
1: Alcohol in this ballpark was around 55?
0: No, it was a little higher than that. It was around 57, 58%. That's natural cast strength.
1: That really is attractive, yeah. Some beguiling on mm, the nose. Mm-hmm. Okay, you talk a little bit more about the nose because I'm going in for a little sip. Yeah,
0: yes, yeah, one of these ones where there's there's just a lot going on, and every time you put your nose into it, you mm. you kind of discover different things. And and for me, like you would said, it was kind of bright on the nose, and then I went to that nuttiness that marks upon. Kind of almondy thing going But uh, Now I remember yeah. When
1: we were having the rye conversation That we just covered in Misconceptions Yeah, I remember when and where We were having this in the warehouse This has got such a Beautiful Herbaceous quality on the palate Reminiscent of rye mm. Without the rye spice
0: Yeah It's all that It's all that <coughs> excuse me. It's all that sweetness you get from the rye, all that those herby delicious herby qualities minus the pickle. Yeah, there there's yeah, there's, there's no, no dill in no here. No dill in this. And and that spice. It, it it's it's quite strange tasting the rye but not experiencing that spice kick. Correct.
1: Correct. There's a a darker element to this. Mhm. That as you rightly say, doesn't manifest itself as a spice, but has a richness oh, man. and a texture
0: and a, and a multi-layered quality to it. Uh, but oh, and the finish—I mean, that's when the barley takes over, and that nuttiness comes through. You get the warm oak, this just like sort of warm oak backbone, and then this lasting nutty quality that just. Just hangs on.
1: I said in the warehouse, Now I'll say it again, oh. commit it to wax.
0: Yep, wax. This
1: is a wild turkey for single malt lovers.
0: Yeah, yep. From Warehouse K,
1: which yep. is one of the qualities that we're now learning comes mm-hmm. from Warehouse K.
0: And uh, interestingly enough, the, the cask that we lost earlier this year was a Warehouse K whiskey. Yep. So it's being replaced by yet another warehouse, K.
1: Oh, that's so good.
0: Yeah, and I remember selecting that particular one, the first one, because A, it was damn good, yep. and B, it was a great counterpoint to the wild turkey cask that we ended up bottling for Whiskey Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Oh, man.
1: That's got a building brown sugar quality to it. Mm-hmm. As I take sip after sip after sip, really feeling that sweetness build and really layer the tongue,
0: just layering my lips. This is gonna make a lot of people very happy. It will. It will. So when they do get it oh. and by the way, oh, yeah. the way people will be able the way that people will be able to get this bottle is through singlecastnation.com. That's it. And this will be available also in the first quarter of next year. And the only way to get it is to be a member of Single Cast Nation, which is free. You go to the website, you create an account, or you could just go to the website, drop a bottle in your account, place the order, and your account is automatically generated. Yeah, it's it pretty damn easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just like our Port Charlotte 14, when it
1: comes in the first quadrant oh of, of the new year, yeah, um, we'll have a, a multi day countdown. To the launch of this. Yep, yep, yep. uh, We're going to see rapid sales on this. Mm. Well, cheers to the selection. Yeah, cheers. And to Eddie and to our listeners. And if you've got nothing else to add, I would call this the conclusion of the episode.
0: I would also call it the conclusion of the episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, yeah if you, uh, it, I think it was the I, I it that...
1: <laughs> okay that's an Easter egg at the end
0: uh, it, it definitely was but you know we had invite yeah
1: <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> Today is your birthday, it's all about you. Today is your birthday, go and act the fool. Today is your birthday, what you gonna do? I'm gonna celebrate all day. Me too. Today is your birthday, it's all about you. Today is your birthday, go and act the fool. Today is your.